Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. God bless you. A big welcome uh, tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we want to have a look at Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Amen. We're going to continue in this series, uh, Overcoming Witchcraft, I've done there's some principal characters in the Old Testament and the New Testament that have opposed the people of God have opposed the people of God and brought a spiritual um, dimension coming against the church and God's people we considered uh, the witch at Endor we considered uh, Jezebel the seductress We've looked at Balaam, who was the false prophet for hire. And we want to have a look at a man in Acts chapter 16, I mean 13 rather, verse 6. And so we look at Elmas, and the Bible calls him the sorcerer. We want to consider that for a few moments. And so as we open our Bibles to Acts 13, verse 6, I had an experience as a very young pastor. I wasn't uh, out for very long, and... I was offered the opportunity of having one night meeting with a international evangelist. It was around the time in the, um, in the 90s, I think 94, 95, 96, so a number of years ago, and there was a very strange movement that was sweeping supposedly Christianity. It was called the Toronto Blessing or the Laughing Revival. Some of the older saints have, have heard of this. And it was a very weird uh, situation and very weird manifestations. And we judged it, Pastor Mitchell and our fellowship judged it early on as not being correct and to be resisted. Anyway, this man I didn't really know too well. He came to my city and he was only one night and he was from overseas. And I had asked him, I said, have you been to any of these meetings? And he looked me in the eye and says, no, no, Daryl, I've, uh, I've never been to those laughing revival Toronto blessing manifestation meeting he lied to my face I found out later that was not true so anyway the service went on I'd conduct the song service turned it over maybe we had I don't know 40 40 people or, or whatever we had that night 40 50 people so as he's ministering you know it was a little bit of an unusual sermon but maybe it wasn't too bad but the altar ministry was the strangest stuff I've ever seen. He started uh, doing strange things, making people feel very uncomfortable. And, and I had seen some of the videos and I thought, this is Toronto blessing, laughing revival stuff. And our people were quite alarmed by that. And as a young pastor, I really didn't know what to do, to be honest. You know, the service had already gone on and you know, probably now I'd just come up and take the mic. Amen. I was only young and I, I, you know, this guy's supposedly been around for a long time. And anyway, so everybody was uncomfortable what he was doing. It was, it was weird, let's say spiritually weird. Uh, and at the end of it, 
I'm standing at the back, you know, quite alarmed. And he then calls me forward. He hasn't finished the service. Pastor Elliot, you want to come? I want to pray for you. I'm there, no, no. <laughs> you know, so uh, anyway, you know, I, again, I was a young pastor. I didn't know what to do. And so, okay, so I come down. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about it. Anyway, he kind of prays, you know, more, more, fire, fire. You know, those some of the catchphrases they used uh, and all this stuff they were doing. Anyway, so the service finished, whatever. That night and the next morning, I woke up physically sick. Sick. So, headaches, uh, oppression, uh, just weird. Just felt down, depressed, just both emotionally and spiritually. Look, I was a working pastor at that stage, so I had to ring up. I, I, can't, I can't function. I can't go to work. And so that was all Thursday, because it was a Wednesday meeting, all Thursday, all Friday. I couldn't go Friday as well. I'm not getting any better. It's, you know, Panadol or whatever. In medicine, no medicine's helping. It's like I'd never felt this before. It was just weird. And then about Saturday, Jillian and I were talking at the house after two and a half days, and we said, you know what it is? It's that prayer of that Toronto blessing, laughing revival, liar of evangelist. We need to break the power of his words and lift that office. And we just in the living room, we prayed, I break the power of these words. This is witchcraft. And we prayed for five, 10 minutes. It left. It left. I was back to normal. I'm saying nearly three days so bad I couldn't even go to work. I could hardly function and it just left. So that's why I'm looking at overcoming witchcraft because these things are real and we want to overcome. Here is a very interesting story. This is the first basically city in the missionary tour of Paul and Barnabas. They're going out to pioneer new churches. Let's read it to you because this relates to us. It's New Testament. Acts 13 verse 6. And now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Alimus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intensely at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord." I want to have a look at Alimus the sorcerer for a few moments in overcoming witchcraft. First of all, to turn away. 
to turn away or turning people away from the Lord. We see in our text, we see, first of all, that our man is open to God's word. He's open to God. As I said, Acts 13 documents the calling and the sending out of Paul and Barnabas on their historic missionary tour to start churches. Acts 13 verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So they're on the island of Cyprus, which is a large island, the Mediterranean uh, Sea. And the Bible narrative gives a story of two men of significance on this island. We see first of all, Ilmaeus, the sorcerer in chapter 13, 6. And when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. And we know later on, he was the sorcerer, Alimus. And then we find also this Sergius Paulus, the governor, verse 7. And there was the proconsul, uh, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So the Bible notes these two principal men. That's who they come across uh, in the text. And the Bible says that this man, Sergius Paulus, sought to hear God's word. And it said he was an intelligent man. What that actually means in the Greek, that he's mentally put together. He's mentally put together. That's what Strong's Dictionary says. Wise and learning has an inquiring mind. That just brings the point again. You know, wise people seek Christ. We know we say that of the wise men in the uh, uh, nativity narrative, but here is a man that's mentally put together and he sought to hear God's word. So he's a Roman. He's the governor of this island. He's the leading figure on this island representing Rome, but he's wise enough and smart enough not to allow prejudice. Remember Romans, many times were prejudiced against the Jewish people. Here are two Jews, Paul and Barnabas. They come and he hears that they're preaching the Word of God and he, and he, doesn't, he doesn't dismiss what they have to say because they're of another maybe colour of skin or ethnic background. That's smart, can you say amen? You know, isn't it amazing? Don't you love God? Here it is, what was it? In 1906, the Azusa Street Revival was led by a black man, William Seymour. God did that on purpose for all the prejudiced white people to get over it. Do you know, it goes both ways. Some black people are prejudiced too. I won't go to that whitey's church. But that's not wise, is it? If God is speaking through somebody, we need to receive the Word of God, don't we? If God's anointed somebody, they wanted to hear the Word of God. And I appreciate, even on this Wednesday night, everybody that makes the effort to hear the Word of God, to receive the Word of God. When I had the honour and privilege and challenge of going to Melbourne Footscray to take over the church, one of the precious saints there said, I struggled to receive the Word of God from you because you're not a wog. <laughs> you're an Aussie. 
Aussies don't understand wogs. Isn't that funny? Lovely people. God changed them over many years and now (laughs) they were able to receive me in the end. So Paul and Barnabas and young John Mark see a great opportunity. The leader of the island calls them, amen, to hear the Word of God. I'm sure with great enthusiasm, they prepared for this meeting with the island's leader, knowing that this man has the ability to open many doors for them. Very exciting prospect. But then we see in verse 8, we see this other character, Ilamus the sorcerer, for so his name's translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So this man withstood them. You say, why would he do that? What motivates people to do that? Look, you could think, okay, you choose not to believe yourself. Maybe you don't even want to hear yourself. That's your choice. Can you say amen? But here, it's not good enough just to not choose to believe himself, but he actively wants to turn other people away from the faith. He goes far beyond just, okay, I choose not to believe. But the Bible says he withstood them. Verse 6 of Acts 13 again, when they'd gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew by the name of Bard, Jesus, the uh, International Standard Version said they found a Jewish occult practitioner and false prophet named Bar Jesus. Adam Clark says that he used magical arts, uh, dealt with sleight of hand as a fortune teller and a deceiver. Gill goes on to say, amen, that he practised sorcery and Jesus warned against uh, these uh, false prophets who would deceive many using magical arts. You know, many times, have you ever wondered why, you know, it could be on the street, you know, street ministry or maybe at your work and, you know, you are sharing the gospel or sharing a good testimony, why some people have a totally non-proportional reaction to the message of Jesus Christ? Totally non-proportional, it's just right out there, a radical opposition not just a person like, I, I choose not to believe. A lot of people are like that. They, you know, it's, it's, it's personal and they just work that. Okay, I just, I want to go my way. I want to do my thing. But this man actively withstood. You know, I found uh, there are some that are like that, especially, number one, those in the occult. See, this man operates and traffics in dark arts, uh, sorcery and witchcraft, uh, and he's, I believe he's connected to the supernatural uh, on the evil side of the equation. So that's the reason. So there's a major clash of kingdoms, isn't there? And so there's a clash. This is what's happening. It could be in the occult. I've found other times people react in a totally non-proportional reaction. Some people that especially morally bankrupt. Morally bankrupt. I wondered, you know, Pastor Hounslow would know when he was in Wollongong, when we did the March of the Cross and we, you know, we were trying to, you know, have our religious freedom and public expression, how we, you know, he had to go to the police station, got arrested and it all went to court and such forth like that. So why was the local mayor and council so much against the gospel? You just fast forward it years 
and you found out this guy was a pedophile and was in charge of a pedophile ring. Right? So there's a moral issue. Why does he so, why are you so disproportionate in your response against Christ and the gospel? I mean, that's good news. A lot of people here are better off that they've received Christ, aren't you? Who's better off? You know what I mean? Your neighbourhood's happier. You used to steal from your neighbours. Woolworths is happy. You used to steal from there. You cause trouble everywhere. Now you get saved and God cleans your life. Oh, I'm so against this. It doesn't make sense, does it? So cult, morals, it could be just religious deception. You know, Saul, who became the apostle, Paul was like this. He actually says, we've got mistaken religious zeal. We're just in error. We're mistaken. And that's why he persecuted the church. And, you know, we see the Bible speaks about this is not just here in this story, but even in the courts of Pharaoh, when Moses came in, we had a couple of false prophets there. We see 1 Timothy 3, 1 and then 8 and 9. The Bible says, you know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then Paul goes on to list. Now as Janus and Jamboree's resisted Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So these men were there standing with Pharaoh when Moses was saying, thus saith God, and they actively resisted. And Paul's saying, you're gonna find these people increasingly in the last days. They're gonna actively uh, increase uh, in the last days and they're disapproved, meaning they're fake. It's like disapproved of metal or fake coins. I mean, they're not really belong to the Lord's church, though some of them may have some connection uh, and uh, he talks about that. So let's then look secondly at the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord. Our text talks about the hand of the Lord at work. Can I make a comment that the real God can defend himself? That a God who's real can defend himself. You know, wasn't it tragic? What was it? 2015, where two French Muslim brothers, Said and Chief, uh went into the French satirical uh, newspaper, Charlie Hebdo, in Paris, uh, armed with weapons, killed 12 people, injured 11 others. It's tragic, can you say, man? But their thought was the paper had printed some satirical depictions of their prophet uh, and they felt uh, their prophet and their faith was insulted, so therefore they had to act and do all this carnage. How many of you know, we, we come against that and we say, that's totally wrong, can you say amen? On so many fronts. But you know, even on a biblical front, have a look at Judges 6, uh, 31. The Bible says, and Joash stood up to the crowd that were pressing him. And he says, are you going to fight Baal's battle for him? Are you going to save him? If anybody takes Baal's side, we'll be dead by the morning. If Baal is a God, in fact, let him fight his own battles and defend his own altar. You know, this is Gideon when he pulled down the altar and the people of the city were gonna come and uh, you know, kill him and his father had to stand up and said, listen, if Baal's really a God, can't he defend himself? 
If he's really true, doesn't he have any power of self-defense? So why do you have to go around and do these things supposedly in his name, uh, uh, you know, to defend him? You, you know, so he's saying this powerful statement, uh, amen, that God can defend himself. Isaiah 59 verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hands not shortened, that it cannot, cannot save or ear heavy, that it cannot hear. So what we notice now in our text, Paul and Barnabas are appearing before the proconsul Sergius Paulus. This uh, sorcerer has obviously got himself into the political arena or got himself into the court of this man. He's withstanding him. But I want you to notice from this text, Paul did not allow this man to steal the moment. You're reading it through. The proconsul wants to hear, he wants to hear the word of God. But this man, how is he withstanding him? He's speaking, he's interjecting, he's, he's stealing the moment. Somehow he's doing it, isn't he? And Paul doesn't allow it. It's like a street meeting and you allow a crazy person to take over the street meeting. You say, no, you can't take over this. It's like in a church service, someone starts manifesting demons. You don't allow them to have the central stage. You know what you do? You come up to them and say, be quiet in Jesus' name. That's what Jesus told him. He said, you need to be quiet. You need to stop that now. You're not, the devil's not having the focus in the, in the house of God. Right? So here's Saul, who is called Paul, filled the Holy Ghost, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight way of the Lord? Now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. So Paul uses the phrase, the hand of the Lord. This is the thought of God's intervention. God either approving or disproving affairs on planet earth. It's twofold. Sometimes the hand of the Lord means his blessing and sometimes it means his disfavour and judgment. Acts eleven twenty one. the hand of the Lord was with him and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So that's the hand of the Lord in a positive way. But then we see Exodus 13, verse 14. And so it was, so when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this uh, that uh, you should say to him, uh, by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then we see in 1 Samuel 5 verse 11, for there was deadly destruction throughout the Philistine, all the city, for the hand of the Lord was very heavy there. So the hand of the Lord can be of his favour and blessing and approval, but can also be of his disfavour and judgment. In our text, the hand of the Lord was manifest in a dark personal mist coming upon this false prophet. Verse 11, for indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking those to lead him by the hand. So we see that he's now lost his ability to sight and someone has to lead him around. Isn't this quite fascinating? Consider the works of God. This man, by his spiritual deception, secret arts, amen, and contrary false spirit, 
is trying to blind Sergius Paulus from seeing the glory of the gospel. Trying to blind everyone from seeing God's work and in God's divine poetic justice, he becomes blind himself. One who sought to blind others, themselves become blinded. You know, it's interesting as you read Revelation 16, verse six, the Bible says one of the judgments in the tribulation is they have shed the bloods of the saints and the prophet and you have given them blood to drink for it is their just due. Amen. Then we'll have a look finally at the doctrine of the Lord or the Lord's doctrine. We ask the question, is the book of Acts just a book of history or is it a blueprint of how Christians in the New Testament church should live? Is it a book just of history? So that's a nice story. That's interesting. Or is it a blueprint of how you and I and the Christian church should live? That's a question we need to ask ourselves, isn't it? In our story, I believe it's more than the history book. I believe the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostle, Acts of the Holy Spirit in the church, and we're still in the church age, and God's wanting to do the same today as what he did then. In our story, this man opposes, he's seeking to rob Sergius Paulus and perhaps others of receiving the gospel. It's a bit of a spiritual showdown in this first city, first area where they're pioneering a new church. Look at what Paul did. Number one, the Bible says he looked intently at him. I think this intense look is a how dare you look. How dare you? If you don't want to believe, that's your choice, but how dare you turn these other people against Christ? There's a little bit of righteous indignation in that look, wouldn't you say? Sometimes mum or dad have that on a young Johnny or Susie. How dare you? What are you doing? We do that from time to time. Paul had that look. Secondly, he called him out for perverting the ways of the Lord. He called him out. He called him some pretty strong things, didn't he? You're perverting the right ways of the Lord. And then he gave a prophetic announcement. The hand of the Lord's upon you and you shall be blind for a season. This is incredible, a gifting of supernatural faith. What is that? You speak words and God supernaturally backs and it happens. This is what Paul did. He spoke words, God supernaturally backed it and it happened. You shall be blind for a season. And as soon as he said that, a mist came upon the person. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? We call this, probably in our generation, power evangelism. This is a demonstration of the power of God as the message is spoken. The book of Acts is a history of power evangelism. Whether it's a deliverance, a healing, this was even a judgment situation, but it's 
God's power manifest as the Word of God's going forth. We need to believe for that. Can you say amen? In verse 12, look at the outcome of this. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Or the King James says, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. So this Roman leader understands power and authority when he sees it. And I'm sure he thinks to himself, if this is Christianity, then this is what I want. This is what I need in my life. I need something beyond just a philosophy. I need something beyond just something that I can have mental assent or a feel good uh, pep talk. I need to see something genuine. I need to see something dynamic at work. And the Bible says this man believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. I mean, we have a good doctrine here. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He's conquered death and the grave and given His believers the power of the Holy Spirit to go with them in life. Every one of us. I want to quickly bring it to a close in these last few minutes. Having dominion over witchcraft. Having dominion. I thank God that Paul and Barnabas had dominion that day. Sergius Paulus is probably in heaven today. Glad that Paul and Barnabas had dominion over witchcraft. In Luke 10 verse 17, Bible says, and then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us to your name. And then he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, is he saying that? Is that beyond the 12? Yes. The Bible actually says in verse 17, it's the 70. Because some people say, it's just the 12 apostles. Already it breaks out. It's a breakout, isn't it? 70. Beyond the 12 apostles, blowing that doctrine out the door, hasn't it? That those things are only for the 12. And we see that He's given them authority. Very, very powerful. You know, it says in Isaiah 54 verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Thank God. Elimaeus sought to blind others from the truth, yet through the ministry of Paul, he was taken out of the equation. And we don't believe he was ever had that same power ever again. Something broke that day on the island of Cyprus. Something very powerful. A leading Roman got powerfully saved. This began the missionary tour of Paul, amen, and Barnabas. This began the advancement of the early church. And I would say, Lord, do it again. Lord, equip all our pastors and missionaries. 
equip all our Bible study leaders and saints, uh, amen, to have dominion over the, all the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. Believer, perspective, pastor, missionary, you can overcome witchcraft. God wants you to be the head, not the tail. You can be above and not beneath. And I believe the power of word curses can be broken. What am I talking about? Some words carry a spiritual punch. Some words that have been spoken to you or against you, you remember to this day because it just whacked you. It hit you. It plagues people. It troubles people. It carries spiritual punch. They stick and they stay with you. They're not easily brushed off. I would say they're words that are spiritual, spiritually charged, words of witchcraft that need to be broken. In closing, Pastor Mitchell tells a story. He was doing a miracle crusade years and years ago. Just finished the miracle crusade. There was a man of Indian descent. He was not in our fellowship. He um, was, was of some religious persuasion. He was trying to get access to our churches to try to have preaching. And Pastor Mitchell was aware of that, felt very uneasy about the person. Obviously, things didn't go this man's way. And as Pastor Mitchell left in the car, he saw that man behind him and, you know, muttering words and he felt the Holy Spirit say, that man's trying to curse you. That man's trying to curse you. As any good pastor should pray, if you're aware of that, if God's shown you that, you need to pray that those curses not light on you. And according to the Bible, they need to go back from where they came. It says in Judges 9 verse 57, and all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own head and on them came the curse of Chotharim, the son of uh, Jerubel. So it came back on their own head. Can I say to uh, spiritually charged people, don't curse God's church, God's people. You may find it comes back like a boomerang. People that go around cursing other people don't like this doctrine, do they? I'd say just don't curse other people. Especially don't curse righteous people. Don't curse the people of God, the church of the living God. And so here is this sorcerer and false prophet. He's withstanding. He's trying to turn people away from the Lord. He's seeking to have dominion and witchcraft over Sergius Paulus. But thank God for a man of God named Paul that has dominion, able to break the power of that, release light and truth and deliverance and see a, a breakthrough of the Lord. This is what we see here. I'm talking about tonight on these Wednesday nights, overcoming witchcraft and we can overcome tonight. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heads bowed and eyes are closed for a few minutes.